0: Damn Good Podcast is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know Georgia ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers and shows you all the best last-minute ticket deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game check out game time for this week's matchup in jacksonville the app is simple quick and easy to navigate so head to the app store or play store now to download game time and score awesome deals on last minute tickets
1: stepped on their face with a nail boot and broke their nose. We just crushed
0: their face. All right. Hello, everybody. Seth Emerson here. And Jeff Schultz. Chime in
1: here. We're in the same room. Yeah. This is really weird. Yeah. So for, for those who don't know, here's a little peek behind the curtain. Normally, Seth and I do this remotely. Seth's in his living room while his kids are running around. I'm in. I'm at home. Uh, Your with my bathroom. my bath <laughs> sometimes the bathroom with my dog barking in the background yeah. to get out of the bathroom because she wants to get in there. And uh, so this is kind of strange. We're in the same room and I'm uncomfortably close to you right now.
0: Right, <laughs> right. We're, we're trying to make sure we don't accidentally kiss. Yes. Um, That's
1: the key. And I was uh, just before this podcast, I was wrestling through my bag for mints because I've been drinking coffee and I don't want to turn Seth off, but you know, afterwards, screw it. I really don't care. Can I just start with a rant before we yeah, get into yeah. Georgia, Florida? Uh, this is
0: a quick Simpsons, Simpsons reference. If anybody remembers the episode, I think, where uh, Homer becomes the head of the union and he and uh, Mr. Burns go <laughs> both go on the Nightline-type show with Kent Brockman. Um, to paraphrase that, Jeff, I understand you wanted to uh, open with an opening I, tirade. Okay,
1: I, I you know, I've lived generally in the North Fulton area since I moved here 30 years ago. So I'm very familiar with, you know— driving to Athens and, you know, the chore of getting to Interstate 85 and then 316 and, you know, driving here and the traffic that you endure going through the Gwinnett area and all that stuff. But it really hit me again driving here this morning to do this podcast with you. I mean, at 316, on 316 this morning, there are construction workers, not construction workers, road workers, Georgia, and I'm sure they're very fine people just doing their job and being pointed in that direction moving moving or big orange barrels to cut the what normally is a two lane road for most of the way to a one lane road and i'm not seeing any construction trucks i'm not seeing any shovels in the ground and i have seen this for 30 years for th- for most of 30 years i would say and
0: 316 has never really expanded th-
1: it's never really expanded it's never really fixed i just see guys moving mm-hmm. orange barrel and normally when i come like like on a weekend morning, those barrels are just sitting there on the side, and the two lanes are open. But this morning, guys are moving again—a normal two-lane road, turning it into a one-way, one one-lane road, closing it with the orange barrels—and they're not doing anything. I—I I, I think in thirty years, Seth, I have never seen a shovel in the ground on three sixteen.
0: Yeah, I, you know, <laughs> I've lived in Athens for the ten years, but I've made that Atlanta to Athens trek a lot, and I've—I've got a—I got to say, I. Now that you mention it, it has been two lanes, pretty much. It, there was that one area around, like, the turnoff. What am I thinking of? Turnoff, I, I, there, yeah yeah,
1: I, yeah, there's an area where they've kind of sort of attempted to make sort of an express exit that would take some traffic off. But it really, it, it, they haven't done anything. I haven't seen pipes or sewage lines or whatever put in. I certainly haven't seen repaving. I haven't seen additional... Lanes. I mean, I and I, and again, I, I'm sure there's a lot of skill to moving an orange barrel on and off the yeah. road. I'm, I'm, I don't know what that is. It might be my retirement job. I don't know. Well, but. you know what,
0: <laughs> you know what, barrels are mostly used for these days. It's what the mob and the Mexican drug cartels use to, you know, drain the people that they've whacked in acid. So, you've been
1: watching a lot of Netflix again, have yeah, a <laughs> you? Yeah. Gotta say,
0: Narcos is a great show. Ozark, if you've. It, <laughs> First episode of Ozark for people who have not seen it really stuck with me, and that—that's what I was thinking of was acid
1: barrel. Were any filmed somewhere between Roswell and Athens? Ozark was
0: filmed here. Was filmed in Jake Rowe of Twenty Four Seven has a great story if he hasn't told it on his podcast. But at Camp Sunshine, where the Georgia football players go over the summer, beautiful, he (laughs) encountered somebody who was whacked. In Ozark, not in who played somebody,
1: not in Camp Sunshine, he'll tell
0: the story better. (laughs) But Jake saw somebody, and he and I were both big Ozark fans. Um, and he's like, Hey, doesn't that guy look like the nightclub owner that that in Ozark season one that gets whacked? I'm like, Okay, yeah, I'm sure he looks like him. You know, we all do that, where we're like, Oh, that guy looks like that guy we saw on TV, and and Jake goes over to him. It turns out it's that guy. He's, I, I forget what exactly was his connection, why he was there at Camp Sunshine, but that that film, that show was filmed in that area right. here in Georgia. So that's been our uh, breakdown
1: of the Georgia-Florida game. I
0: uh, hope we'll everybody be, we'll, enjoyed that. We'll be
1: back next week to, yeah. to, to talk about Missouri.
0: <laughs> Do they play Missouri
1: next I or? think so, don't okay. they? I don't know yeah. I'm Not much. Sure. Yeah,
0: Missouri doesn't look, uh, uh, Missouri was that chick choice to win the SEC East and, and be Georgia's big threat. I don't think. That's going to happen.
1: No, uh, no,
0: I don't think many people are worried about what's going to happen with their appeal to the NCAA about postseason anymore.
1: No, um,
0: it's about Georgia Florida.
1: We're back. It's, we're back to being paranoid about the Florida game again. Yeah, it's
0: <laughs> it's going to come down to this game. Yeah, uh, that, South Carolina is not a factor after they lost the other day. Um, it, it's, and what does this feel like, Jeff? The line came out. Saturday, Sunday. Why are you it,
1: so obsessed about points I was just going to say, <laughs>
0: in an upset, I'm bringing up the line before you are. Well, it came out uh, as Georgia by six, right? And there are actually like, there's no. Correct me if I'm wrong. There isn't one official line that's put out in Vegas. It's it's depends on the sports book, but I, I go to VegasInsider.com because that does a good job of listing, aggregating all of them, and right. The line that I saw was. By six, and it dropped really quickly to three and a half. I think as a reaction to what wow. I was seeing on my Twitter feed. Okay. When I put out Georgia's Favorite by six, there were even Georgia fans going, Whoa, <laughs> oh, I don't know what they're smoking.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's funny, it's funny you mentioned the line because I, I actually hadn't looked in the last week, and last week it was like seven or seven and a half, I want to say. Um, so I wasn't aware it had dropped. I'm not really surprised. That is a little bit, that would have been sort of high for this game. Uh, back to I think there's a lot of uncertainty. I, I think there's uncertainty, really, honestly, with how good Florida is. Um, I think they're better than, than maybe a lot of people expected. Um, and I, this, obviously, we know we're here in Athens. We are literally here in Athens right now. Um, I, there's a lot of uncertainty uh, about Georgia. There's, we're not really sure about their ability to maybe stop big plays. We're, we're not really sure about their offensive line. And, you know, to some degree, we're not really sure about Jake Fromm. I mean, we know he's a good quarterback, um, but we know the offense has been coming off a couple of rough games, actually a few rough games. Um, and, you know, maybe Jake Fromm is being unjustly criticized for that. We don't know. But there is uncertainty certainly about the offense and, and really overall how good this Georgia team is. So as you translate that to what a point spread should be, it should be close. It should be a field goal. Um and if you're in Vegas, you, regardless of your which way your emotions go, you take the points because you don't know which way it's going to go. Yeah,
0: and the people in Vegas are smart. They don't get everything right. They miss on some, but this reeks of setting the lineup because they think Georgia's the better team and will win, and so they're getting a lot of people, they're deking a lot of people into putting money on Florida, and then they're going to make a lot of money off of it. But... I see that scenario more than the other way, but you do see the other way sometimes where Vegas is wrong and they do take a bath on a game like this. Yeah, and
1: it's very—it's conceivable that, you know, Georgia has underperformed. I, again, I don't think this is – we talked about this, I think, last week. I don't think this is a matter of Georgia holding things back or anything. I think they right. just basically underperformed. And so there's always that possibility that suddenly they perform to uh, – an expectation level, whether it's our expectation right. level or theirs, and suddenly they are the superior team to Florida, which I think most people would have thought before this season, and they win by I don't know, not two touchdowns, but they, they win you know, 27-17 or something like that. I could
0: see that, and but the, you, you get at the right point, which is they have to perform better than they have, and I don't mean just perform better than they have the last two weeks, and even if you take into account that Kentucky, rain-soaked, et cetera, et cetera. All season, if you throw out Arkansas State and Murray State, this team hasn't exactly just throttled teams. I mean, they—they, they, the final score at Vanderbilt looks good, 30-6, to six, but that was never a game where Georgia, Georgia didn't actually put in its scrubs. They didn't empty the bench in that game. Stetson Bennett didn't take a snap. Um, they they started out, if people remember, with a 21 nothing lead, and everyone was like, oh, and then they just kind of puttered around after that. That was still, that's acceptable. But then when you put it in the light of they had struggled a little bit to beat Notre Dame, which all of a sudden, after getting throttled by Michigan the other night, doesn't look like they're a top-10 team, struggled a little bit at home to beat them. Then the South Carolina game, People may forget the Tennessee game. The mm-hmm. final score looks good, but Tennessee was winning for a little bit in the first half. I, I I'll, I'll, you know, I'll not hold this back. I think Georgia is going to win this game because of some things that we can get into a little bit later that are more matchup based and maybe coaching matchup based. And I do think this screams as the type of game where Georgia really responds and shows, at least maybe for one week, what it is. I don't know that that means they now go on this great run and run the table. But um, I I, if, I hate to say it because I know people are going to hate hearing it. But honestly, if you look at Georgia's resume right now and what it's done and what the teams that it has played have done, other than the fact that it's Georgia, which we are expected to be good, there's no evidence this is a very good team right now.
1: No, I, I agree. And, um, you know, you, you – you mentioned three or four games. You mentioned you mentioned South Carolina. Let's, you know, if you go with the hypothetical, okay, that was a one-off, and South Carolina actually has probably been better than maybe some people would have would have anticipated um, to some degree. Anyway, they can play defense. Sometimes South Carolina gives Georgia a hard time. Okay, let's put that aside. You should have come back and just absolutely blown doors uh, against Kentucky, and they didn't do that. And Even
0: in the rain, I mean, there were some factors, but there were some factors that, but right, but it was, it was still
1: right, yeah, exactly. But look, you've seen this, and you know, this this pretty much you know is the case with all overall sports. But I think, in particularly football, um, the cliche is we don't really worry about our opponent; we we play to our standard, and I think there really is a lot of truth to that. That great teams, in every sport, but particularly football, they don't worry about who the opponent is. They do what they do. And again, I am I really I, I, I hate saying cliches almost as much as I hate writing them, but great teams play to their level. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't matter if they're playing Murray State, Arkansas State, until, at least until they play take the starters out, um, or they're playing a great team. They they play to the level they can play at, um, do what they do, whatever their agenda or processes are and and the great teams will will play great. Georgia has not done that this year. Right. And, and and so whether that's us, you know, miscalculating them physically or whether that's coaching mistakes or whether that's a mentality or maybe it's all of the above. I don't know. But we haven't seen that this year yet.
0: Yeah, the Notre Dame game in retrospect was a little bit of the red flag. You could say that if Tyler Simmons doesn't muff that punt, yeah, but Georgia's offense wasn't able to go up and down the field, and that was a game, you've got to remember the lead-up to that game, where everyone talked about, well, Notre Dame looks like a good team, but matchup wise they're a terrible matchup for Georgia, and then the atmosphere at the game was just through the roof. It set up for Georgia should have been able to run them off the field, and instead, Notre Dame led most of the first half, and... Georgia finally starts to pull away, Notre Dame comes back and has a chance at the end, but not much of a chance. It was it was less than Georgia should have been able to do. And that kind of all finally came out in the South Carolina game. But again, that may that makes this a I hate to keep using the term crossroads game, but it's a crossroads game for Georgia. It's a watershed game, whatever other cliche we want to put out there. For this, that's that's the type of game this is for Georgia because they have the talent. I believe they have the coaching to to still be an elite playoff team this year. I just don't think they've shown it. Now's the time to start showing it.
1: Well, look, and and and, and because of the the loss to South Carolina, on a tangible level, I mean, directly, if they lose this game, they're done. They're done. Uh, Likely, will in terms win of, the well, East. They and, will not win the East. Yeah. They're certainly not going to the playoffs. Um, I suppose strange things could happen, but even if even if something bizarre happened where they lost this game and suddenly Florida lost after that and Georgia weirdly ended up getting back into the SEC East League, uh, even if they were to go on and upset whoever won the SEC West, they're still not getting into the playoffs with well, losses the, to South Carolina. Yeah, Florida, the scenario probably. that yeah. is
0: interesting is if Georgia beats – Florida and then loses to Auburn but in that scenario they still win the East because they have the tiebreaker over Florida right and this now starts to come out over after what happened to Oklahoma over the weekend but also Notre Dame and South Carolina struggling and losing is everyone assumes that the SEC champion gets in Georgia yeah. if Georgia goes ten and two and it is not implausible that Georgia beats Florida this weekend and then loses at Auburn and is ten and two and then upsets Alabama or L S U, unless a lot of other things break another way, there's a real good chance the SEC champion does not make the
1: playoffs. <laughs> Depending on what happens, obviously around the rest of the country with Ohio State, Clemson and, you know, Oklahoma, if they're still if they're there at the end. If a two-loss SEC champion got in, there's going to be screams like you can't believe across the yeah. country, um, and they would be right. By the way, uh, obviously we we're yeah. not at that point where we can compare losses. And we stuff, don't, but and we
0: also don't know what the other conferences.
1: Right, right, exactly, like. exactly. But but if again, if the ultimate goal here is to get to the playoff, and and it is, um, they're dead. They're dead with two losses, or they should be dead with two losses, and so you know now if you if you don't look great but you beat florida you're still alive really nothing has changed but i think there's still going to be those questions about how good is this team what can they do ultimately yeah. what can they do in the sec championship game but yeah there are definitely questions going into this game and i and i would i think most agree most focus on the offense and so I, the Kentucky game to me again, again, I understand the weather. I understand what Kirby Smart and Jake Fromm said after the game. I think they were all reading from the same script honestly. I think I don't think the comments were genuine. I think behind the scenes they really were upset about the way things went. I think I think there are some issues regarding play calling, but I don't know and we, we've talked about this off off mic. Yeah I don't know if it's James Coley himself. Or things are being dictated. How do I put this? There are handcuffs to some degree on James well, Cole in terms of what he wants to do or can the do. The
0: theory I've heard from somebody who is familiar with Georgia football um, is that they don't think James Coley is able to really run his offense because he got promoted to the job, and he gets promoted to the job and is basically told, "We're not going to let, let's not change anything," um, and. Whereas what if James Coley had been given the job and told, all right, what offense do you want to run, start over? And I, that goes for schematics, but that also goes for type of plays, uh, terminology, all that kind of stuff. Is, is James Coley kind of running Jim Chaney's offense, and is it hamstringing him? It's hard to tell. You're not going to get answers on that, on the record at least, but... Um, I, you, you can just go by what we see and what we see is an offense that seems very bunched up and not spread out it's like this is what we were talking about last night and which we said all right let's save this for the podcast but it's like basketball okay we're recording this at Stegman Coliseum um, because that's where they would let us record uh, in basketball what's such a big deal is spacing that's what Tom Crean wants is what's guys spaced apart so there's room for Anthony Edwards or. You're, your playmakers to make plays this offense for Georgia football doesn't do that yeah. they don't have mm. spacing if you watched Ohio State play and I hate to invoke Justin Fields and make the Justin Fields Jake Fromm comparison I'm not I'm making the offensive comparison they were still able to pass the ball I saw some other in Notre Dame Michigan it was raining there were there were points scored in that game because those offense were they they were not it's not even vertical is a term people throw out. It's not even that vertical is kind of just running straight down field. It's not that. It's about having space and then giving your playmakers a chance to get over to the middle of the field. Or you know you're you're spread out so the defense is over here, which means when you do throw to the sideline, there's more room on the sideline for the playmaker to go. And it, it, Georgia's not doing that right now. Maybe they will change up and do that, but I think they need to
1: do that. Well, and that's why. And again, you know. It always seems like the Jake Fromm, Justin Fields, you know, narrative for comparison is unavoidable these days. But that's why I'm, I'm hesitant on putting too much blame on Jake Fromm because, yeah, a coach's job is to put players in a position to succeed. It's to call the right place. And, and, and put aside for a minute, you know, physical attributes of Justin Fields or Jake Fromm, they're doing a much better job of that in Ohio State with Justin Fields than they are in Athens with Jake Fromm right now. And, again, I don't know how much of that we put on James Coley. I don't know how much of that we put on Kirby Smart. I would have thought, and I mentioned to you the other day, that by year three of Jake Fromm um, being a starter and having won a lot of big games, and, yes, having made big plays to win some games – um, I would have thought you would have loosened up the offense a little bit. You could still be a power running team, a run, a run dominated or run central offense, I should say, but you can still allow him to do some things because you should have that trust level with him right now. And I don't know what they. I don't. I, it doesn't look like they do. And, and let me just add one more thing too. You you made an excellent point about about James Coley having been promoted to this job. The way it works in football a lot is when a head coach builds his staff, and particularly when he hires coordinators who are going to run one side of the ball or the other. There's a little bit of negotiation that goes on there beyond just how much am I going to make and how long is my contract. You know, if you're hiring an offensive coordinator from the outside, it's the coordinator. Trust me, and I don't mean this in a mean-spirited way. Offensive coordinators have huge egos. And, and as do defensive coordinators, but OCs are convinced their system works. You know, as long as guys make the plays, they can, they can find weaknesses in defenses. And if, if Kirby Smart is hiring an OC from the outside, that guy's telling Kirby, it's like, look, I know what you do here, but this is what I'd like to bring in. And this is basically and so what he's saying is this is going to be prerequisite to me taking the job that I'm going to be able to do this and bring some of my playbook with me. When you are promoting from within or or bringing somebody in who basically really just wants to be the OC of Georgia, that leverage is gone. And and I'm going to, yeah. I think it's safe to assume in this case that James Coley did not bring any mandates to the interview with Kirby Smart when it came to becoming the offensive coordinator at Georgia. He just really wanted the job. And to some degree, he was going to say yes to almost everything yeah. Kirby wanted.
0: Now. I wouldn't call this pushback on it, but just counterpoint, I was actually, I still remember being there the day that James Coley interviewed with Kirby Smart and Jim Chaney, because it was at the, uh, it was in Jacksonville, uh, before the Gator Bowl, um, the day that, um, it was the day after Kirby had led, helped Alabama win their playoff semifinal, and he flew in with Jim Chaney, who had been hired by that point, and they were at the team hotel, and I just happened to be there, and I saw James Coley come in. So they've been there from the start. James Coley and Kirby Smart from the start. How much did Coley? How much was Coley in sync with Kirby and Chaney? How how much were the three of them in sync from the beginning? So that everything we're talking about is a non-point. We don't know how much. Uh, how much has James Coley? been around this offense over the last 3 years and been a part of it so that this really is his offense and this is what he wants to run. It's it's hard to tell. I mean, we don't we don't know not being in there, but it's it's points that need to be raised when you see an offense that just doesn't look like it's totally
1: in sync. It doesn't look like it's as
0: imaginative as as it could be.
1: Right, and you would, you know, you would hope, bringing it back to this week, you would hope and think that having the bye week to sort of take a step back and think about things, think about what they've done to this point and all the things that did not go right. And maybe Kirby maybe Kirby Smart believed that this plan, as we believe it was, was going to work. Maybe there's been sort of some level of um, self-reflection and understanding that something was going to have to change and that and that specifically in this game now, and moving forward, you know, games against Florida and Auburn and <laughs> who's to say maybe even Texas a and M? I don't know. I mean, they're they going to have to do more things to win games that they're going to have to play better um, because now is really the time you have to fix things. This was the bye week yeah. last week, um, and whatever they talked about last week is going to be implemented this week in practice.
0: And the Kentucky game adds to the intrigue over that Oh, absolutely. because they may have— and i do have some intel to indicate that they had they had added some stuff. They were ready to do some more stuff after the South Carolina debacle, but they threw it out the window because of the elements. Uh, but to what degree and how much?
1: So and we, what, and whether that was the right decision. Or right, not. yeah,
0: and we have about 3 weeks now when you count game planning for Kentucky and we don't know what they would have done without the weather being a factor. And two weeks here, three weeks of intrigue over what have they been doing behind the scenes and how different an offense are we going to see.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know, which is why. <laughs> going back to walking into a casino in Vegas in a sports book, I would walk in the other direction. I would, I would stay. I know what I said about you take the points this game because you don't know what's going to happen. I would just stay clear of this game altogether. And I would go straight to Keno and the 699 buffet which I, is which is a value pick.
0: Do they I, I go to Vegas once a year. Where is the 699 buffet?
1: Well, probably not in the casino that you would go to.
0: <laughs> I, I go to Caesar's Palace. Yeah, wouldn't I, be. Th- I saw Sean Williams there a few years ago. Um and uh, sometimes I used to go to MGM. Buffet was not six ninety nine there. So do I have to go like down to the Flamingo, like the the old? Is the Flamingo like, still seedy? there? I don't know. But the old C D Casino is oh, like I, oh, in de- the cooler. Oh, definitely. <laughs> I'm going to see William H Macy like covering yeah, over my shoulder if I'm having a good run. I was electric.
1: thinking more of National Lampoon's Vegas Vacation. That's, you know, where you pick a number in between one and ten. That cas- that casino actually exists, by the way. Really? And it's a great casino. Uh, oh. Yeah, it's called Sam's Town, and okay. it's not. It's not. It's not on the Strip, certainly, and it's not even downtown. It's it's kind of – it's only about a five-minute drive. It's very – and it's it's the coolest casino in the world because – and no, there's not really – picking a number between 1 and 10. Um, but it's where all the locals go. And when I used to cover a lot of boxing, Steve Hummer and I, we used to go there a lot, and we'd always go to Sam's because it was a very cool, chill place to go gamble. You didn't have to play $25, min, $25 minimum blackjack. You can find $5 blackjack. Um you can but do $10 but ten
0: dollar minimum most places. Yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah. It depends not on weekend nights or not on, not on Caesars and MGM. It's pretty tough to find a ten dollar table. Sometimes. Not not weekend nights. Yeah, and okay. certainly not big event weekends. But during the day you can. Yeah, during the day okay. because most normal degenerate gamblers are how sleeping. Many, how
0: many people <laughs> out there listening to this you think can identify with our Las Vegas gambling
1: talk? Uh, uh, well, we're only here to appeal to the degenerate listener, so oh, okay. that's all, all right. that really matters. Okay. So all all right. basically, hundred okay. percent. Okay. Yeah.
0: All right. What else do we? What else do we have to say? Oh, I thought we were going
1: to get into a buffet breakdown of the distinct different. <laughs>
0: I'm telling you, I haven't been to a good buffet. Really? in, Vegas in so yeah, like or eight C- years.
1: Caesars used to have a pretty good buffet. Uh, no, okay, that's, that's all right. A, they okay. have a
0: food court now where oh, okay, basically you have bad. to pay ten dollars for a straw. Um,
1: <laughs> but it's a good straw.
0: <laughs> no, not really. Uh,
1: moving right. on. Yeah, moving
0: on. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I think this is a huge crossroads game for Georgia, for Kirby Smart, for Jake Fromm for a lot of reasons. This is they win this, Jeff, and everyone says, "All right, you know, back on track." But that won't exactly be true because then they still have to continue to run the table because that South Carolina game is still there. And but it's they've got to win this if, basically if, to to have hope restored. Right. And if they don't, even if they're shafted by the officials or whatever, if they don't win this game, then they're you know you're starting to look at Cap One Bowl.
1: If they, yeah, maybe if they, if they, there's three scenarios. One is if they win this game, going away, and they look like the Georgia team we expected uh, when the season started. I think confidence is going to be back at a high level, mm-hmm. um, and I and I could see them running the table at least until the SEC championship game. But but I think I think confidence, both internally and externally, will be sky high. If they win this game, but sort of sputter a little bit, I think it's going to be a lot like the feeling going into this game. If they lose this game, I cannot imagine what it's going to be like on this campus and in the fan base. And for that matter. I would be very interested to see what the response is from players, particularly players who are now looking at the NFL well, after this we season. Saw, we saw last we year. We saw
0: last year when they, you know, when they did not win the SEC championship and they're in the Sugar Bowl and they basically no showed that because there were guys looking ahead. Yes. And, this was a team that was coming off a national championship game appearance, and it was national championship or bust. And when they were not in that a game as great as the Sugar Bowl, I even felt it as a media member. It was like, I, I, I love to be in New Orleans for a week of gumbo and jambalaya and stuff, but as for the game,
1: it was like, nothing. Uh, and you're right. Texas it's,
0: cared about it more. Look, and, so if you don't beat Florida and you know, I mean, technically they won't be out of the East running, but really they will be. Yeah, that'll be...
1: Look, we've all talked about this. We've written about it. Nick Saban has spoken about this, and he's dead-on accurate with it. Everybody wants a playoff or wanted a playoff. That's great. But the more more emphasis that is put on a playoff or expansion of the playoffs, the Bulls become nothing. And the Bulls were, in the old days, they were a celebration at the end of the season, and people got up for bowl games. Now the Bulls mean nothing. Um, if you're not in the playoff. And, from a look, people want to bang on the athletes all they want. The players are doing exactly what they have a right to do and, frankly, should do. They have to look out for themselves. And, and I have no problem with, with, with players who are going to the NFL sitting out bowl games. Um, they have to look out for themselves. They have to look out for their careers and their futures. I think if you applied it to any other field of endeavor – if you could find an equivalent for a biology major or something like that, you have to look out for what's next. And they're going to play a playoff game, and they're going to they're going to go all out. But if it's if you're looking for the through the rest of the season for a team that's not going to make the playoff or doesn't have a chance to make the playoff, I should say, and you're headed to yeah, uh, Nashville or Orlando or some other place for a bowl game guys just aren't going to be up for it the rest of the season and they're certainly not going to play in the bowl game probably or not certainly not going to give go all out for it
0: this uh episode really went downhill uh after we left the discussion of 316 and ozark (laughs) and mexican cartels whacking people by draining them in acid i wanted to
1: talk more about buffets but you i'm sorry yeah
0: i'm I'm sorry to anybody out there who this would brought them back look I, I think Georgia will win. Your opinion? You're going to let Lily probably decide it. It sounds like you're.
1: I, I try not you're to. You're on the fence. I, Lily, when I left the house this morning, was sleeping, and um, I have not made my determination yet. Plus, if I said now who I'm going to pick, then nobody would click weekend predictions on Thursday morning. So I. I, 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 I I depend on... The, plus, you know me. I break down a lot of film and I just haven't had a chance to look at film yet. You know me in the, film. The all-22
0: so. is in your...
1: Yeah, I go I high. I go all-23, actually. Oh. I go...
0: <laughs> Who's the 23rd?
1: I can't talk about oh, that. Wow.
0: There's something that even I don't... Wow. Wow.
1: That's a very exclusive database of yeah. film. That. <laughs>
0: There's a guy that they don't tell the public about. <laughs> all right. Well, with that, I think we'll, we'll leave you. Yeah, I mean, if Georgia beats Florida... The, the tenor of this podcast next week will definitely be different. Yeah. And if they don't, it'll probably be similar. That's that's the result of losing to South Carolina and then beating Kentucky in a kind of sluggish way. Will do to the yeah. the mood of fan base, media, perhaps even team.
1: All right. But I think the most important thing is everybody's paranoid. The typical Georgia fan base is very they're going to be scared to death driving down there or even – while they're laying on the beach in St. Simons or Amelia, it's like, what is going to happen? And things are normal again. So we'll see. I, it's I, I, I think there honestly, there's as much intrigue surrounding this Georgia Florida game that I can remember yeah. in a while.
0: Yeah, I didn't realize I'd forgotten that both teams were ranked in the top ten last year when they met. Just didn't right. seem like they should have been. Right. Florida, at least uh, Georgia, was coming off the LSU game. That game didn't strike me as this no. huge intrigue. Not 2012. At all. The most intrigue since 2012. Because you remember, Florida was unbeaten. Georgia had one loss early in the year okay. to South Carolina uh, when they got <laughs> thumped. And Georgia used that game to basically vault itself into the SEC championship right? and the number three ranking entering that year's SEC championship. Yeah,
1: yeah. Should be interesting. Should and be I can
0: see 17-9 being the final, just like it was that year.
1: Are you, are you making the call now? Make the call now.
0: Put, no, throw it out there. No, I'm gonna. am gonna save. I, but Seth. Seth.
1: Seth, Seth is guaranteed Georgia wins seventeen to nine.
0: No, I, I. I probably will go higher than that. I don't think Georgia's defense is quite as good as people are ranking out to be. But um,
1: Seth is guaranteed Georgia wins seventeen to nine and a half, ten. Yeah. Somewhere. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay.
0: All right. Anything else, Jeff? No, I'm good. All right. Thanks. Well. I'm go. gonna go eat my
1: my my Luna bar, which you Luna mocked, bar. which you mocked me for. earlier. Yeah, I,
0: I ate Luna bars for a little bit until my then girlfriend, now wife, uh, said, "You know those are aimed at women." I'm like, "Oh, okay." And, but Jeff never got that memo, and you eat Luna bars.
1: I it's I, I try to find the healthiest, sh- uh, low sugar, protein bars out there. Maintaining this physique is not easy.
0: We're on <laughs> we're on radio, so we can't. I say that. I didn't run this morning, so I can't say anything. All right, everybody. Talk to you. Uh, I'll be here with Rennie Curran later in the week and then back next week with Jeff to discuss what we saw in
1: Jacksonville. All right. Sounds good. Take care. We just stepped on their face with a hobnail boot and broke their nose. We just crushed their face.